Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Listening to Achtung Millwall, broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Set no substitute. Well, hello, dear listeners. Welcome to episode number four of our Achtung Millwall history series with myself, Nick Hart, and Daily Express rugby paper journalist and Millwall historian, Mr. Mills Whistler. Thanks for coming on the show, Neil. Welcome to the show. Hi Nick, how you going mate? We're good, we're good. We are rattling through our list of major Millwall names and personalities. We've touched on some big names already and we're going to come on to a really big name in this, this episode, listeners. One you may not have heard as much as you should have, in my opinion. But we're going to deal first of all with Bill Bryant, uh, William Ingram, known as Bill Bryant, who was a Millwall yep. player um, in the 1920s, 1925, he joined the Lions and played 132 games for us. Um, England international as well, Neil, a centre half, I believe. Yep, was actually a full international as well as an amateur international. Yeah, yeah. I mean, amateur internationals don't exist, I think. They'd be international, see internationals, and non league players, but the old concept of amateur football was. It's kind of gone, but he was a full international and an amateur international, which is quite an achievement. He was actually one of the leading amateur players of his day. You shouldn't really underestimate what a what a coup this would have been for the you know, for Millwall to actually get this guy, because obviously competition would have been immense for his services. He joined us. I think you said in, what, 1925? 1925, yeah. I mean, born in 1899. Um, interesting. Yeah. I tried to find out what the background to that was. I found nothing on, on, on why he'd been born in Ghent in, in Belgium. I think you'll find that his mother was from Peckham, so there's another Millwall connection. Yeah. I think it might have been something to do with the family seed business, oh. which was, he went on to become a director of a wholesale seed company. Well, I, didn't so I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. father was probably working out there. There's a wonderful um, cigarette card. Back in the old days, kids, um, cigarette packets used to often include artistic depictions of um, leading footballers, and they're highly collectible nowadays. 
and there's a cigarette. I think it's a play of cigarettes, and it's a it's a, it's a drawing of uh, W uh, W I Bryant, Bill Bryant, uh, in his Millwall kit, dark blue shirt, and white shorts, um, which I'll put out online just to to go with these shows. Um, played for uh, Clapton, Clapton Orient, yep. I believe, um, and was. Yeah, it- no. You know, it's actually Clapton, as in Clapton. Oh, oh forgive me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the Clapton, um, the, the the team that plays at the um, near Old West End Park, the old Spotted yeah. Dog. That's right. So it was a Clapton player as against Orient. So forgive me. Um, Clapton captain for the Amateur Cup final of 1924-25, which um, uh, was held against um, Southall, another non-league yep. team. Played at the Den. Um, which is obviously would soon join us, and he played at, at the Den to win the, the Amateur Cup there, 2 1. Yeah, retaining, I think, the trophy they'd won it the year before as well. So, Clapton, a huge name in you know, an amateur non league football back then. Yeah. Really were a big name. Fascinatingly different times in that way, because obviously now Clapton uh, still exists. They're, uh, they've kind of gone into the Dulwich Hamlet kind of zone of being a a kind of a trendy non-league club that you follow if, um, you know, if you want to, um, you know, know your colours to various causes, you follow Clapton and, 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 and the like. But um, back then, these were major names and had quite a following, I think, in that time as well. Non-league football used to get some big crowds. Now. Yeah, the, yeah, they'd been up there with, yeah, certainly the crowds would have been up there with some football league. Wolfenstow yeah. Avenue and Dulwich Hamlet. And these would all attracted decent-sized crowds in their day. So, this, yeah. As you say, he was a major player. He's, he's joined us from Clapton in 1925, and will go on to play 132 games for the Lions, scoring 30 goals before he went back to Clapton. He clearly had an affinity with the club. He left the world and went back to Clapton in 1931. One um, is only England cap alongside Stanley Earl, who was actually the son of a former Millwall left back, Harry Earl. Wow. Okay. I've got a wonderful press report which features two goals for um, for Bryant. Um, this is a Mill Five Tottenham Hotspur one in February 1929 in Division Two. Um, Bryant scores two. Bryant, the master, spurs a pale shadow of their former selves as Mill revel in the mud. Mill Five Tottenham one, um, 1929. Two goals for for Bryant there. In our club record 9-1 victory over Torquay United in August 1927. 1927-28 helped us win the third division South title and the London Challenge Cup. Played 140 times, 140 appearances, 30 goals um, from 130, 140 appearances, 1925 to 1931. Um, he died in 1986, quite recently, relatively recently maybe, um, aged 86. Yeah, became um, a wholesale seed company. It was actually a football reporter for the Sunday Referee newspaper. I didn't know that. This is this is the kind of fascinating detail that I love. I love doing shows, listeners, with Neil because he comes out with stuff like this. And I thought I didn't even know about this seed business, and this is this is wonderful, wonderful insight. Um, Lovely photo, I think it's um, a cigarette card photo, and I'll stick that online along with the other one that I mentioned already in the press report for, for Bill Bryant. Um, 1925 to 31, 140 appearances, 30 goals, Bill Bryant. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. 
But we're going to move along, Neil, because I think we're going to touch on one of the biggest names, I'd say, um, in Mill history. Um, Bob Hunter, Millwall manager, 1918 to 1933, the longest Mill manager ever in the job. Yeah, and such a big personality. Well, he'd actually served the club for about 20 years. Before that, he was club trainer. Yeah, fascinating. I mean, I keep saying the same things, and I apologise, but it's, it's, there are some fascinating characters. Each one of these men, in many ways, have a book in them themselves. They, they deserve to be portrayed properly. I'm hoping that these podcasts do something to um, redress the balance, because I, I, I just think that the stories and the and the tales and the, and the colourful characters that we're touching on here deserve a wider audience. But Bob Hunter is a fascinating man and, uh, you know, I, I knew the name, but it's not until you do the research, you realise just what a career and what a life he, he lived. Born in 1860 um, in, in Scotland, I think it was, um, oh, Govan, which is in Glasgow, yep. um, spent his early years at Montrose in, in Scottish football. Um, as you say, uh, he was club trainer. Um, different kind. They don't really have trainers in the, in that way anymore. You have your kind of coaches and a whole army of fitness staff. But I suppose the trainer would be responsible for keeping the players in shape, really, rather than any kind of managerial role in that sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, no. Well, he was. Yeah, well, he was really a, a coach, a physio, a fitness man. Everything kind of all rolled into one. Yeah, um, reputation in Scotland as a runner, as an athlete. Um, winning many prizes and interestingly given that we played at this time in, at the athletic ground in, in the Isle of Dogs um, which was I think was an oval shaped um, stadium um, so you could have running events athletic events which Hunter would organise at the same time as uh, as, as, as his involvement in, in running of Millwall Football Club um, he was known, known for his athletic won many prizes in you know in Scotland took charge of the club in 1918 um, which would be post First World War and he was actually quite a shrewd manager, wasn't he? He built a couple of great sides in, in his time there, Neil. I mean, the, the kind of mid-1920 the mid, uh, period, after the impact of the First World War, and by the time he managed to kind of get his players in, in shape. I mean, these were, these were powerful sides, Mill, Mill teams. Yeah, well, Bob Hunter was really famed at the time for Millwall for disappearing to Scotland on his summer holidays to the Montrose area. And yeah. I guess God really wants to look at this. He would disappear up to Scotland in the summer to Montrose and would then come back armed with three or four signings. A very, very yeah. shrewd manager. Um, I mean, you just got to look at the, 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 the record. I mean, we finished third in Division 3. So if we joined the Football League in 1921 season, listeners, um, yeah. from the Southern League, we finished third in Division 3 South. Um, I think back then it was only the champions that got promoted. Now, I don't think it was the top two. I think only the champions. Yeah, no, one. So if you didn't win it, you didn't get promoted. Um, so Division 3 South, we finished third. Um, again, third in 1925-26 and 26-27 before eventually promotion as champions in the all-conquering season of 1927-28. That's, that's consistent success across that whole decade, pretty much. Yeah, well, yeah, but I think as you touched upon, then you had to be, you know, you had to finish top of the league to go up, <laughs> and you weren't quite good enough. You didn't go up. You didn't go up. No, we um, were probably quite not good enough to go up, so we didn't go up. No, 
a shrewd, a shrewd signer of players. He signed the famous name here, Richard Parker, goal scorer galore, um, 1924. And then, um, as we mentioned in a previous show, Jack Cock in 1927, um, who scored in the famous 9-1 win over Coventry. Um, and so it went on. I mean, he, he was in post until 1933, um, when, sadly, um, I, I don't think any... I, you know, thankfully, you don't hear about this very often. But he actually died in office, didn't he? He was, he was uh, age seventy-three, and he's the only Millwall manager to actually pass away whilst in office as Millwall manager. Yeah, well, he signed. Yeah, we signed a lot of players. Uh, Joe Lansdale, I think, was an England international. Fort, who I think we've touched upon already in another yeah. episode. Uh, Chance Black, Phillips, all kind of all kind of players. The impact on Millwall's history that this guy had shouldn't be underestimated. No, I think you're right. I mean, I, it, there's no I, memorial to him. Nobody, no. I mean, nobody remembers him, but, but then again, he died nearly a hundred years ago. So I think that, the, I mean, the, the history of Millwall is littered with what ifs and, you know, this is a big what if moment because he died in the, um, I think it was in the March of the season, 1932-33, where we were placed seventh. Now, we weren't going to go up that season, I wouldn't have thought, but he was clearly building a team in Division 2 capable of promotion to the top flight. The, 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 the kind of chasing the golden, uh, you know, the, the golden egg of, uh, the, of success. Um, and at age, even age 73, which is quite an age for these times because life expectancy was lower then, he was building a side capable, potentially, over the next few years, of promotion to the top flight. And I do believe the following season after he passed away was a very disastrous season. I think we finished up being relegated the year afterwards. Um, yep. And so such, over. Yeah, such was his impact. Such was his gift. And there's a great um, article, which I think is actually it was the Daily Herald, um, which is like an obituary um, describing Bob Hunter's death, his uncanny gift for training athletes, they describe him by their columnist Corinthian. Um, and as they put it here, removed the great character from the world of sport and his manager of Millwall FC up to the end. Um, and basically describing his, you know, his contribution to, to Millwall Football Club. And I think you're right. I think that if this podcast has any purpose at all, it's to put on record some kind of memorial of some sort um, to a, a man who gave a huge amount to the, the creation and the early years of this club. There's a, a nice photo I've got here of, um, of him standing next to uh, Tom Thorne, I think he's the director. Um, Possibly yeah, and he's slightly, slightly out of focus, um, but all the photos back then are slightly out of focus. I mean, very few shots of him. He's always part of a team group, which probably is fitting for a man who um, was such a, such a great manager for the club. He didn't take much on himself, but he was always a part of the, part of the team shots. Um, Bob Hunter, a name that needs to be more widely known, I think, Neil. Um, 1860 to 1933, Millwall manager from 1918 to 1933, the longest ever Millwall manager in the job, uh, and had previously been trainer with the club. From 1897, to 1918, so he, he, he was with us from the, uh, the Isle of Dogs days through to New Cross in the Den in Coldwell Lane, Bob Hunter. So I hope you're enjoying these series of shows, dear listeners. Um, we're going to be back with edition number five next in the series. Um, hopefully we'll be talking to you very shortly if you're listening to these one after the other. 
or if not we'll talk to you another day about the wonderful characters and personalities of Millwall history thank you for listening thank you for listening to Acton Millwall if you enjoyed the show please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review a river dirt Millwall till next time Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.